Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Hit that intro. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D Mendy here, joined by a little cheesecake and Doc. No Marty party tonight. He's feeling under the weather, so make sure you go ahead and send him your best wishes. He should be good for next week, hopefully. But Marty party, we definitely miss you. We miss Ribbon on Art. We miss you for Ribbon on Doc too. Pretty much, we just miss you for ribbing on both the guys to my right. Honestly, but um, before we introduce our awesome guests, little cheesecake, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well, man. I'm doing really well. Uh, this was a fun, fun show to prep for. Uh, this one, one of the one of the ones where you just got to kind of explore a little. So I'm, I'm I'm excited about tonight. We're all about exploring ourselves, exploring ADP. You know what? It's all open here. It's all good, Doc. How are you feeling? What is that like a hood or something? You have like a, a neck rest? What's going on behind your head? No, nah, it's a it's a hoodie, man. You it know, looks like, looks like you uh, looks like you have like a neck pillow. Okay, it is a neck pillow. You caught me, David. Yeah, it's a hoodie turned into neck pillow. You win. There you go. Was work okay today? Where it sounds like you were busy. You barely made the show in time. Uh, yeah, man. It's weird having a job where I'm not fully remote. So, oh, we all feel bad for you, but for our listeners, we feel really. The opposite of that, we feel great for you guys tonight because we have an oldie and a goodie here. If you guys listen to Triple Play Fantasy way back in 2020, this man came on April 19th, 2020. One of our first guests when we used to record on the Anchor app, when we sound, I used to say, oh, like every other word, Cheesecake would talk longer than he does now, believe it or not. And Doc was Doc. But this man, let me, let me tell you guys, we welcome in a man that I would say stud i would say he's a co-host i would say he's a writer i would say he's a director i would say he's just a fox i mean i'll be above this man has it all he's also just so you guys know the co-host of the wins above pod the wins above fantasy podcast staff writer for pitcher list the creative director for i mean guys the creative director for simmentel which i don't think we've even talked about that before so we'll have to talk about that he's also an obsessed Chelsea fan and guys again near and dear to our hearts uh, and uh near and dear to yours too if you're not familiar with him he is van underscore verified on twitter van burnett what's going on man what's up mendy art doc guys it's been uh it's been a long two and a half years since uh i was last on the pod but mendy had a, had a chance to connect last week on wins above pa- fantasy and yeah, I'm excited, guys. You know, I almost got the jitters after that hype intro, like the whole screen takeover. Like it was on one side, like the locker room, like getting pumped on the other side. I was like, <laughs> man, I kind of feel like the, the the lights are bright right now, but I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, again, this is cool because last time we recorded with you, we were just talking on an app and now we're on StreamYard. Now you're, you've got a very successful podcast. You obviously do a lot of great writing. You're doing a lot of great things out there right now. For the people that might not be familiar with your work or what you do, please tell our audience all the great stuff you're doing in the fantasy baseball space. Yeah, so I, I'm with PitcherList. I've been with PitcherList for about four years. It felt like it was at the dawn of kind of the StatCast era. My mm. my first piece was a breakout on Kevin Newman, 
but don't hold that against me. So it was <laughs> years back. And then with the the podcast boom around the industry, which of course, like Nick and Alex had already been doing it, they kind of cascaded, you know, a dozen or so podcasts a couple of years back. We all auditioned and they kind of assigned you pen pal style, like randomly. So I got paired up with Steve Giswelli, who I did not know. Steve is fantastic. He's since become definitely a, a friend away from home. He's based out in Jersey. He flew me out there for his wedding. It was the first time we ever met in person. His wife shouted out the pod on the altar. It was fantastic. But now we're like old, old pals. So we, we chop it up once a week during the regular season. Right now we're on every other week, but we're through the main picture list feed or our, our own show's feed, Wins Above Fantasy. And yeah, we're doing it once a week. I mean, I'll still do articles here and there, but honestly, the work life, you mentioned the creative director at Symantle, we're a marketing ad agency. So I feel like a lot of my writing and creative juices get dumped into my nine to five and it can be beyond five very often. So bandwidth wise, like I'm in a really nice spot where I feel like the podcast is just like my my ship for fantasy inspiration and like any prep I want to do beyond that is icing on the cake, but usually it's enough to where, you know, I'm doing my own teams. Uh, I'm doing a good enough job of my own teams. I'm doing enough to, to stay up with the times. And of course, still listening around the industry, listening to you guys, checking out all the sites. So yeah, it's, it's all, all good in the hood, but that's kind of my rundown. Yeah. You're doing a lot of great stuff right now. And I told, I know we talked about it on your pod, but cheesecake, brought up that just the lack of success that pods have and how much they continue. You guys have been doing it for a long time now. You've been in the space for a long time and you've made it quite a name for yourself. And it's awesome to be able to reconnect twice in a week, honestly, us two at least. And then for these two guys to be able to reconnect after a couple of years here, Van, we're going to need you tonight because we finished our dynasty previews uh, pretty much over the last couple of months here. And so now we're kind of talking about players and ADPs. And tonight we got a fun episode with the holiday season in gear. We've got our ADP shopping spree. Nice. So we are looking on those shelves and we are looking for clearance items. We are looking for things that are discounted. We are like, oh my God, this is such a deal. We got to grab these off the hypothetical ADP shelves and put them on our fantasy team. So these are our favorite values as it stands right now going into the holiday season. Obviously, a lot of things can change between now and March, but right now, this is where it is. We're using NFBC ADP from October to now, which is approximately 137 drafts. So this is just to give you the reference point for that. And without Doc here, it's now it's an even better podcast. So let's uh, let's hop right in and let's go, Van, to... The first player you have as a player you're going to grab for the ADP shopping spree, who's that? Okay, I'm going to start with the attempt of going in kind of uh, order of prominence or near the top of the draft board. So this might be a discount, but think of like a discount Rolex, right? Because most of these will typically be in like the 100s, 200s. I went a little pricier here just because I feel like we overlooked this part of the draft. And guys, I hate to even say it out loud. I'm fully expecting a little bit of backlash here. But with an ADP around 46 on the parameters I, I checked, let's double check, uh, 45 on the ones you set, we got a second baseman, Jose Altuve. Mm -hmm. Now, here's my thought on Altuve. For one, you look around the, the, the pitching or the uh, positional depth, second base is one that you absolutely need to plan for. 
the names around Altuve, in my opinion, come with a lot of risk with Ozzy Albies. He might be batting sixth, coming off the injured season. It didn't even look that good when he was in there. And then on top of that, I mean, you've got some other question marks that aren't far behind. It's like down in Miami, we got Jazz Chisholm. Obviously, he comes with, you know, the shiny new toy factor, but he's also just dealt with the the lower back injury last year. We don't know if his plate discipline gains are going to hold. But what I do love about Altuve is minus the shortened season, the one year I've rostered him, by the way, in the past like five, when he was terrible, he has been so rock solid outside of that. And I just think as a very basic analysis, when you finish a draft, if you have Jose Altuve, you can look at the second baseman for every other roster and say, there's a really good chance that is not going to work out in a way that Altuve is going to work out for me. Uh, the barrel was up last year to 7.7, the highest it's been since the rabbit ball. His speed was up last year. I know he's getting older, but he hasn't really slowed down. I think with the bigger bases, we can expect he's going to be one of those guys that gets a nice little bump. Um, the hard hit was down a little bit last year, uh, and the BABIP was high, but I think that'll just pull him from what was basically an incredible season last year where you weren't even signing up for the output that you got where he hit 300, had 28 homers and 18 steals. Next year, basically what I'm throwing out, is, as Eno Saris likes to say, the back of the napkin stat projection, I think we're talking 25 to 30 homers, 12 to 20 steals, mm-hmm. an average 275 and up, and it could get as high as 300. He just did it. And he's still in the prime part of that order, probably 180 runs plus RBIs. I feel like this is Bo Bichette. Three rounds later at a worse position, I think Altuve is a nice little bargain. Yeah, last year stole more bases, I think, than people thought he would. Next year with the expected rise in stolen bases, that adds into there. He obviously hit for power. Kind of gave you a—he was probably one of the best bargains last year. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what his ADP was last year, but I think it was even lower than this. And obviously he— Oh, yeah, I think it was probably seven. in like the 70s. Yeah, it yeah was, that sounds right. This is still way too low. I'm 100% with you, Van. Like, you know what you're getting with Jose Altuve, and it could be even better this year. And uh, he's not a type of guy that seems like he needs the, uh, the you know, the shift going away is going to impact his, him, his play at all. So Jose Altuve, what, I'm trying to look at the number second baseman he is off the board. I want to say he's probably like the, the fifth second baseman. Let's see. He is, no, he's actually number two behind Marcus Semien. Yep. But yeah, I mean, and even still. Simeon, I don't know if I, I've rostered Simeon a couple times. I was big on him on the breakout season. It was one of my best calls, but <laughs> toot my own horn. But Simeon has a very volatile, you know, and he was ice cold to start last year. So I get that he's Mr. Durability and he comes yep. with a little bit more of that power speed combo. But you're going to have to ride out like in head to head some ugly, ugly weeks from Simeon where I think Altuve just... It's it's bizarre to call him a value because he's such a steady Eddie, but I think everyone else in that position is not. So I think mm-hmm. this is like a zig when others zag type of thing. Yeah, and I think people have to make a decision at that point in the draft. You have Jose Altuve going around pick 43 and then Jazz Chisholm going around pick 50. Very different directions you can go. You can go the steady floor. You know where you're going to get with Altuve or you chase the upside, the the what everybody dreams of with Jazz Chisholm. And so I think that's kind of you decide how you build your team. I think... Altuve is probably the safer way that I think many of us would want to go in, in that route for sure. But Doc, let's go to your player, your first player you want to talk about. And just like Van did, let's go by descending ADP. So we'll start your highest ranked player and go down. Who is that? 
So for me, it's going to be Nick Castellanos. And I know a lot of people were disappointed last year. I think 129 is a really good ADP for him. And people are going to be disappointed. He had 263, 305, 389, which is a huge drop off from his 309, 362, 576 triple slash in 2021. The slugging percentage was the lowest since his rookie uh, season. Hard hit and barrel percentage were career lows. And you think, what is the problem with that? And there's a few things that I think that we can chalk it up to. The first, it's it's a big year in a big contract that he signed, five-year, $100 million, And we've seen a lot of people struggle year one with that. It could also be a Phillies problem. They were uh, underwhelming in the first half. They fired Joe Girardi. And then they made it to the World Series. He hit 251 the first half versus 288 the second half. You're going to now add Trey Turner into a lineup. He's going to be locked into an everyday role with Bryce Harper out. Uh, he had seven stolen bases last year, which were a career high. And I think looking at Nick Castellanos' career, he's played for the Tigers and he's played for the Reds, two historically losing organizations. And sometimes when you looked at him playing last year, he didn't necessarily look as interested but I think with the postseason success the Phillies had, you really kind of saw him turn a corner. And I think he comes a little bit more motivated into spring training this year. They are going to have a full season. There's not going to be the threat of a lockout. So I think, yes, once again, he was underwhelming last year. But at 129, I'm all over that. Yeah, he's projected on roster resource to be hitting fifth in the Phillies lineup, which is a very valuable spot with Trey Turner. Up top, you have Kyle Schwarber who gets on base a ton, even though he doesn't hit in terms of batting average and strikeouts, he does get on base. And then obviously the, the sluggers in front of him with Reese Hoskins and JT Real Muto, but he should have plenty of RBI opportunities if he can do anything like he did in the second half. That's a, a pretty good value after pick 100 there, Doc, to lead it off there. All right, let's go to you next. Let's go to your player to the, go into sending mm-hmm. ADP wise. And I feel like you have like, there's certain energy I could pick up from you in our private chat talking about our guys. And I know you're pumped to lead off with this first one. I am. I keep drafting him in all the drafts. I have him in every single one. I have Andrew Vaughn. I really think this is a a year for Andrew Vaughn to start to take a next step in his development and to become, you know, the, the type of hitter he's going to be. He's about, he's just passed a thousand plate appearances in the bigs. His batting average has been good. His entire time up, his hard hit percentage has been good. His K percentage is under 20. He doesn't walk a ton, but that's not a huge deal. The big problem with him is that he hasn't had a position the last few years. His at-bats have been a little bit shaky because he's been taken out for dis- defense. Last year, he played the outfield uh, 89 games, first base 23 games. I I expect there to be about 130 games at first base for him at least this year. And his at-bats per game are going to go up with that. Therefore, I think when you start to see what his at-bat total, what sort of numbers you're going to get from him, the um, the steamer projections are pretty good. 24 home runs, you know, 70-70, uh, about 150 total runs plus RBIs. I think he can do better than that. I think that his RBIs numbers are going to go up because I am hoping and guessing that he might end up the number four or five hitter in that White Sox lineup. And if they're fully healthy, there's going to be a lot of RBI opportunities for him. And I really like where he's going about pick 140 right now, especially with the outfield and first base eligibility. That's a really juicy pick for me. Yeah, and like you mentioned, first base now, with Andrew Vaughn, as, as also Vinny mentioned. Shout out to Vinny, too, who 
I think is it got me really hip to Sal Frelick of, of the Milwaukee Brewers, who's going, I think his ADP is like right near 600. And he has a very, I think he, Vinny compared him to Stephen Kwan, the type of contact that he has, and he could be starting the year up with the team. He's basically free right now. He's not going to make this show, but he does need to be mentioned as somebody that you guys can pretty much get at a humongous value. Andrew Vaughn, I love the call. 17 home runs last year, led the White Sox. They talked about them having a power approach that where they pretty much minimize power and emphasize contact. So that, I think, could go up a lot this coming year. So uh, Andrew Vaughn's got this, all the room in the world to really develop into the hitter we all thought he would be. And uh, I think it's going to be an awesome year for him. The first player I'm going to bring up, Tristan McKenzie, who I believe his ADP is changing like every day, I feel like. Right now, his ADP is 95. And I think him getting near the 100th pick is a mistake. I think he's somebody that could start trickling down maybe, you know, 20, 30 spots. He, Tristan McKenzie is, I think we saw it towards the end of last year. Obviously, uh, the season long numbers do look great, but his last 71.1 innings, he had a 240 ERA. And over those 71.1 innings, that's 11 starts, he had 77 strikeouts. Now, one of the things that's interesting, and you read an article on the Akron Beacon Journal from Stephen Kwan, where he quotes, he said, when the ball's coming out from Tristan McKenzie, it's, it's like coming from the treetops. It feels like it's on you. And that's how he basically, he's got such a good fastball. He's six, I think he's like six, seven. So the ball comes on you really quick. Obviously, he throws upper 90s. And when you have a hitter like Stephen Kwan, who is arguably one of the best contact hitters in the game, saying he's having a hard time picking up when Tristan McKenzie throws, uh, that's a big deal. And one of the reasons Tristan McKenzie was struggling too was Tristan McKenzie couldn't locate the strike zone. That also improved over those last 11 starts. And I'm just really excited about Tristan McKenzie. One of the things I use for my process when I'm trying to find breakouts is I look if a pitcher has a really, really good pitch in terms of run value. And Tristan McKenzie, his, uh, his fastball had an elite minus 17 run value, one of the best in baseball. He also has a great curveball that he was able to control and start locating in the zone. He also has a sub one whip, 0.95 whip. Home runs obviously being the biggest thing, but we've seen Garrett Coles, we've seen Justin Verlanders, these type of guys have low whips. They can give up the solo home run and still be fine. Tristan McKenzie is the next pitcher going inside the top 100 to break out. I'm trying to leave as many drafts as I can with him. We saw the glimpse of the breakout over his last 70-plus innings last year. you got to get Tristan McKenzie on your team. All right, Is that man. your uh, this year's Dylan season? No, it's there. not. It is not. not. I, I said it has to be outside the top 100. I will get I'm going to ask every player if you break down if it's that. If that's good. I'm not going to break all of them down as much like that, but that's, that's a pitcher in the top 100 I'm trying to get a, a lot of. Van, let's go to your next guy. Yeah, so I mean, I love I love the names you guys threw out there. Um, you know, in this range, kind of moving back to the back half of the top 100, I, I do really still like Christian Javier, even at his mm-hmm. price. I do still really like Vinny Pasquantino, even at his expensive 87th pick price. But I feel like those names are out there in the industry. So I'm trying, in the interest of giving kind of some some fresh player breakdowns. Somebody I really like is Andrew Vaughn's teammate, Eloy Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Now, in our pitcherless mock drafts where we basically get grilled by Nick Pollock, <laughs> I took Eloy Jimenez in round six at pick 62. His ADP right now is pick 86. So even with that 24 pick jump, 
Nick gave me the coveted seal of approval on, on the pick. And, you know, with, with good reason. This guy, if you remember, just a couple years ago, is being drafted ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He came up as a, basically a generational hit power prospect. And in 2021, yeah, that ADP was in the 30s. He had a hamstring injury in, in 22 last year and basically was riding the slump that the entire White Sox team was with La Russa. Now that La Russa's out, I think we're going to see a much better clubhouse there. And in the second half, Eloy completely turned it on with a 949 OPS when he had 14 of his 16 home runs. He finished the season with a 295 batting average. So, I mean, this guy is, is, he's just such a pure hitter. He reminds me of basically a Jordan Alvarez type Mm -hmm. of build. And he's still just 26 years old. Of course, there is a health bet at play here. But if Eloy stays healthy, that's all that has to happen. And I think you are looking at a lock to make value on this. Right now, he's projected by Steamer for a 272 batting average, 32 homers, 80 runs, 97 RBIs. If he just did that, he's already the 40th hitter on the auction calendar. He's already a value on pick 86. But I think there's a lot of room for growth there. The the, the 270 average, like that was his XBA last year. But you got to understand, he's going to outperform his XBA because He's always ran a high BABIP. He crushes the ball. Last year, he was third in the entire majors in hard hit rate if you slide the filters for his batted ball events. Two names he was trailing, Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez. That's how hard the guy hits the ball. He's eighth overall in the league in barrels per plate appearance, ninth in expected slug. And a a metric I love, we don't use enough, that Alex Chamberlain came out with is the blast rate, which basically shows on his pitch leaderboard good barrels. So we all talk about barrel rate, but blast rate basically removes soft barrels that are kind of warning track power. Eloy Jimenez thrives on those blast rate leaderboards. And next to him, he's one of the lowest people on pop-up percentage. So anytime this guy hits it up in the air, there's a really good chance it's gone. And I just think when you're getting that in like the ninth round and on pick 86, I think this is a huge bargain. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that he's not going to be playing defense is huge because we've seen glimpses of how great that bat is. One of the best power hitters. Totally. Uh, I, I mean, just everything about when you look at his stat cast page, it's everything you want in a hitter. But the health has been the, the biggest issue with him. With him playing a lot of DH, I think that's going to change a lot of things. And shout out to Triple Play's own uh, the fantasy baseball beat because when they had Scott Merkin on the show, he talked about that when he first was expected to DH, he was not happy with the idea. He liked being able to play defense. He liked being able to be out in the field and kind of get into the game. But they basically worked with him towards the end of the year to get more comfortable with that. And they already told him, don't bring your glove this year into spring training. Just come bring your bat. Don't We don't even want you to think about fielding. We just want you to focus on hitting. So he got that chance to adapt a little bit last year. And now it's not like he's going to be straight from the jump going to DH only for the first time. They, they've been pretty much kind of leading him to this point. So that's kind of why he could hit the ground running right away. And like you said, he's a tremendous value where he's going right now. Yeah, all the more reason for that Alvarez comp with Benintendi in there. Yeah, he can just not get injured and crush mm-hmm. for all of our, our teams. So yeah, great call on that that's one. Right. So hit the over this on might the Eloy. Be, this might be the year that I draft Eloy. I mean, yeah. And uh, Vinny's also a big Oscar Colas fan, but that Andrew Benintendi side, man, that – that has to hurt. Oscar Colas, I think, was one of the, the people, one of the guys people were looking at towards the end of their drafts to try to grab. And 
I want to wonder if he, he gets a spot at an opening day at this point. I don't know. That'll be an interesting question. We'll have to see how that plays out. Doc, let's get your second player. Ty France at 167. Seems I feel like you like talked about him value. last year too. Didn't I look you? at the outfielders going. Didn't you talk about him last year? I did year not before? actually. Maybe think of someone else. He definitely was brought up no. on this podcast. Okay, good. It wasn't from me. I've never rostered him before. You look at the outfielders around him. Harrison Bader at 166, which I think is good value also. But Mitch Hanniger at 172 and Oscar Gonzalez at 174. Don't you talk like bad Ty about Oscar Gonzalez. Out of all of them. Don't you dare talk bad about Oscar Gonzalez. That's one of my guys. I, I like Ty France better at, at 167. <laughs> all right, perfect, make a perfect. Bet? So you can tell you, me that. You want to make a like bet? You can like what are we betting? All right, you and your little delay. All right, let's make a bet. Who has a better fantasy season? Or do you want to bet who what has we, better what numbers? What are we betting? You want to bet 20 bucks? You tell me what you want to bet. 20, 20 <laughs> are we bucks? doing Razzball Player Raider? I, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to go Player Raider. All right, this. we'll do Razzball Player Raider. Oscar Gonzalez versus Ty France. Okay, we'll bet $20. Okay. Are we, right, are, are we doing fr- any injury caveats? Brand. Yeah, yeah. Bet is mood if they don't play 120 games. 120 okay. games. That's a deal. All right, go ahead, Doc. Finish okay. your Ty France. Well, it shouldn't be a problem for should shouldn't be a problem for Ty France because he's been durable the last two seasons, playing 152 and 140 games. His strikeout percentage has gotten better each year as he's gotten more playing time and he's seeing the ball better. A little bit dip in the walk percentage. Home runs are going up each year. They just added uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Roster Resource right now has him projected to hit second behind J-Rod, who's arguably the best leadoff hitter on, in baseball and will be in scoring position many a times for Ty France. So the counting stats should go up. And in case you forgot what he did the first couple months of last year, in March and April, which was 21 games, 337, five home runs, 21 RBIs, up that average up to 355 in May with two home runs. He's only 27 years old. I think Ty France is such a value at that point, and he's going to make me $20 also. <laughs> he does not hit the ball hard. I, I want to say, uh, let's look at his second half numbers because his post-All-Star break numbers, 229 batting average, 287 OBP, 390 slug. Yikes. And I know that there was that injury there, but are we going to blame the injury for that from going 308 to 229? I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah, there there was an injury for that, but I mean, still hit nine home runs, had 11 in the first half. I, I will say the thing about you, he's not going to give you stolen bases. I'm willing to admit zero, that. But zero, yeah. I think everything else he can. Okay. Meanwhile, Oscar. I, it, well, we need to skip Art and you talk about Oscar Gonzalez. All right, yeah, I'll, <laughs> let me, uh, yeah, I'll go to Oscar Gonzalez and then Art, you can go. So I'm not going to spend it. I, I have other players I want to talk about a little bit more. Oscar Gonzalez, I really like this year. Uh, he's going right now, pick 175. I think he's like the Walmart version of your favorite outfielder at this point. Like you can get him cheap and he gives you a lot of stuff. Guys earlier will give you a 296, 327, 461 slash line, 11 homers, 43 RBIs, only in 91 games. So barely over half the season. That's projected pretty much in a full season with 20 plus home runs and probably 70 plus RBIs. Seamer has him projected for a 275 batting average, 21 homers, 73 RBIs. And he's projected to hit fifth in an improving Cleveland Guardians lineup that has Jose Ramirez, that has uh, a bunch of guys in there, Stephen Kwan leading off, 
Obviously, we saw a career year. Oh, uh, how are they improved? It's 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 basically the same as last. They year. saw a, a career year from Ahmed Rosario and Cleveland's pesky. They almost made the playoffs this, or they did make the playoffs this year. Almost made it to the ALCS. Uh, they, bring one of the, they brought in uh, Josh Bell, right? Josh they brought Bell. in Josh Bell to play first base. Thank you. I totally forgot about Josh Bell there now. And one of the reasons can't I really forget like, about Mike Zanino either. Uh, I mean, he'll hit twenty home runs and strike out two hundred times, but. <laughs> Uh, this is a basically with Oscar Gonzalez, he struck out an under 20% of his at bats at the major league level. And that's something that's actually been pretty consistent with him. He struck out in just 14% of at bats in 41 games in triple a consistently below a 20% strikeout rate. And also found his power stroke in September at six home runs in September zone swing percentage is above average while zone contact percentage is about average right now. He's aggressive. If you look at his first pitch swing percentage, it's very high. He's going to have a chance for RBI opportunities. Doesn't strike out a lot while he swings very aggressively. I think it's a recipe for a lot of success here for Oscar Gonzalez. And his name doesn't carry a lot of like value. No one, people don't talk about him. But I think he's going to be that guy you put in your fourth outfielder and he just produces for you. He's going to be quietly a 20 plus home run, 70 plus RBI, give you a 275 batting average, maybe like, you know, four or five steals. And that's fine with me at that range. All right, Elsie. Four to five steals after having one stolen base in uh in ninety one games last year. Interesting. You didn't you didn't mention that putrid three point nine walk percentage or that extremely high three forty five Babbitt. Are we talking about walks? Ty France doesn't walk either. What are you talking about? Ty France Ty France walks more than Oscar Gonzalez and has one less stolen base. Ty France walked five point seven. One. Ty, Ty France has a five point seven percent walk rate. Are you like gloating that he has a two percent higher walk rate? They're both <laughs> sub six percent. They both don't walk. Yeah, and they both don't steal many bases. So it's basically who's the better hitter. <laughs> they both hit for a similar batting average. Ty France just had over six hundred plate appearances. I'm going to be watching both of these guys I'm all year about and thinking about this that conversation. That's that's all I'm going to be thinking about either one of these guys <laughs> the entire year. We should put out and a I poll. We'll, we'll see. We'll put out a poll. I'm just thinking about how I want that $20 paid to me. Oh, I want $20 <laughs> you worth real, of Bitcoin. You did the same thing in a football bet we were making too, So, and that didn't turn out well for you. So this time I'm actually we're making the deal. So yeah, I said, and you should have. And you, sh- and you and you should have bet me as well. And That's I right. want another football. Right, we've had enough time on this. Let's go to a little cheesecake for his next guy. Well, I mean, I almost feel like skipping because I, I looked at the draft price and I'm like, oh, that's a good draft price. And now I'm about to say the name and I'm like, am I going to be the guy telling you to draft Noah Syndergaard again? <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> the Dodgers I, could do the Dodgers, no, what the Dodgers do. Yes, I you know was out on him, though. I, I Kind of interesting. So I'm here to hear your uh, your thoughts, Elsie. Uh, I mean, he went to the Dodgers just to get into their to their training program, just mm-hmm. to get into what what helped them with Tyler Anderson and what's helped them with guys like Tony Gonsolin. Since he signed, you have to go to all drafts in NFBC to to find any drafts. Since he signed, no draft champions. He's up to about pick two ninety three, but that's only like six or seven drafts since he signed with the Dodgers. I think that's a pretty good price for him right now. If you start going up the draft board after him, like the next pitchers are Justin Steele, Hayden Wesneski, Jose Arquidi, Eric Lauer, Marcus Stroman, Tyler Anderson. I honestly think that's a pretty good spot for him to be living. Mm-hmm. And 
the, my one thought on this is that if you if you are looking at your ADP and you say, oh, let me get the last 20 drafts, last 15 drafts, which is normally pretty good. After this signing, it is going to be up from that last 15, 20 drafts. And it's been up, it went up about 100 picks. Oh, it went up that much. Wow. Yeah. 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 So he was at about 385 and he's in the low 290s right now. I, I don't think he's going to, who knows what happens, but I don't think he's going to get a ton more helium from there. 250s maybe. But uh, I like that draft price for him. He pitched 134 innings last year. He's healthy. Mm His velocity was down. Um, so, you know, I, I'm i fully just going the Dodgers got a great season out of Tyler Anderson, whose K rate was 7 per 9, pretty close to the 6.8 per 9 that Syndergaard put out last year. And he's one more year back pitching. Maybe the arm's getting a little bit, gets a little bit more light. It's at that price, him or Jose Urquidy, ah, uh, I mean, I might go Syndergaard there. That's what I'm saying, I think. And WPC points out Dodgers don't have Walker to take over this year either. Mm-hmm. Don't have Walker Bueller there. So that's you know a good chance for him to hold the, the job in the rotation. There's one less uh, dominant arm to have there. Dodgers always throw in a bunch of different guys in the rotation, though. But, uh, I mean, Syndergaard, I think, is one of those picks that you could blow up in your face or you could be really good, but that ADP... It's not like you're investing a ton of capital into him, so I can respect that call for sure. Dan, <laughs> let's go to your next pick. Sure, I do. Well, I got a couple here. I, I, I'm going to jump out of my uh, descending order here because okay. it, it's a nice little segue for our, what you were breaking down because another guy, Dodgers, turned into a superhero last year was Andrew Heaney. And yep. at ADP 231, I'm definitely intrigued here, guys. Uh, obviously, the move to the Rangers. Obviously, he had the injury last year, and then we waited and waited, and we saw that that kind of two-start uh, showing that he had was not only legit, but then there was more on top of that. And what he put together, I just don't think we're even talking about it enough. 72 innings, 110 strikeouts, a 35.5% K rate, and just a 6.1% walk rate. We talked about Mendy, how K minus BB is one of mm-hmm. the very best indicators, and they don't get much better than 35 minus six. Um, and the ratios were good too with the 310 ERA, a 109 whip. You know, we've got to remember that it, this weird game, Lucas Giolito's happened where you wait and wait and wait, and then it finally clicks. And I felt like we've all been burned by Heaney at least a couple seasons in our fantasy careers. But what he did last year was substantially different. He brought the slider back for the first time since 2016, and he used it 32% of the time. So Mm -hmm. massive from the slider, and it was elite, a 25% swinging strike rate, not a whiff rate, a swinging strike rate where the league average is typically like 12, 13, double that. And that's what Heaney was doing with the new slider. Um, In terms of the, the other pitches in the mix, the fastball, actually had the fifth highest CSW of all fastballs in the league. Uh, second most horizontal movement in the majors. Mm-hmm. I know you love the movement over there as well, Mendy, from our talk mm-hmm. last week. And this guy basically follows the the Blake Snell blueprint that Nick Pollock always talks about with high heaters and low breaking stuff. The, the high lock or high location was higher than average on the fastball. The low lock on the slider was way above what the league average is as well. So, 
looking forward, right? He, he's with the Rangers. He won't have mm-hmm. the Dodger magic with him. But projections right now, I think they're kind of scratching their head. They just gave him 140 innings, 162 strikeouts, and said a 3.57 ERA, a 113 whip. I think that's pretty dang good. But if, you know, we were talking about guys like Verlander and Carlos Rodon, I'm willing to bet on a pitcher going from 130 inning projection up to 160 or 170 if that's all Mm -hmm. it takes for them to be an ace. Now, maybe he loses everything that he gained last year. We'll know pretty quick, cut bait and move on. But he's got another guy who's fastball slider change up on his team now who's pretty good named Jacob deGrom. I just think the whole thing is very interesting to only have to invest pick 231. We wouldn't be shocked if he ended up showing us more of what he did last year. Now, let me ask you this, Van, before we move on to the next player. Do you think when the Dodgers are teaching these guys the new approaches to pitching, do you think it's something that once they get traded from the team, they just seem to lose it all? Or do you believe that once they learn it, that they take it anywhere and they can have those same type of effects? Obviously, the run support with the wins won't be the same. But you would expect, hopefully, that the results that we saw would be similar, right? Are are you... Where on the fence do you feel like if you had to, to say right now, do you think those results translate to a different team? Or is it just when you're with the Dodgers, it's just that weird magic they work on you? Yeah, I you know, I think it's it's you've got to kind of pull them down a little bit. But I think that they to throw an arbitrary number at it, I think you can expect 80% of the gains and mm-hmm. then cross your fingers. But when I think of like a Hyunjin Ryu or a Kenta Maeda, yes, current state those are bad examples but if you remember right when they changed environments Mm -hmm. there was still a lot to like from a fantasy standpoint um this will be one of the best litmus tests of all of those to see you know to go from a 35 percent k rate and the the control down to six percent you know even if he pulls that to like 32 and eight or nine that's still like a inning for inning like that that's where dylan cease is at you know what i mean so it's like that's it's going to be exciting to to see. And I think that to only pay, you know, like an 18th, 19th round pick on it. Uh, I think it's, it's fully worth the investment there. I like over it. And under, over under 1.5 IL stints for Andrew Heaney. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably over, but <laughs> if you can backfill, if that yeah. allows you to add a guy that's just surging, it's mm. not the worst thing. It's like the old Rich Hill clause, you know? <laughs> I love that. Rich Hill clause. <laughs> uh, Doc, let's go to your third player. Who's on your list? I'm liking the value at, of Eduardo Rodriguez at pick 334. Um, I don't have as many stats to back it up. I think what he went through last year with a personal issue, that can weigh on you um, and just – you know, we're, we have to remember we're all humans at the end of the day. And I think, especially when you have a high pressure job, like he does in the first year, you kind of overanalyze everything. I mean, I'm looking, his K percentage was the worst of his career coming off a year in 2021, where it was the best at 18.4%. I mean, Van brings up the K minus walk percentage in 2021, it was 20.4%. In 2022, it was 9.7%. That's a really big drop off. Mm-hmm. And I think that that weighed on him as well. The first half ERA is 4.38. He took some time off. He had a 0.81 uh, ERA in August, thrown 11 innings. And his second half ERA was 3.81. He plays half the games in Detroit, where it's a pretty pitcher-friendly park. 
He had a 3.8 ERA at home. This is a guy that has been an innings eater. He's been pretty durable. I like him in a best ball format because I think he's going to give you solid numbers throughout the season, barring anything personal. Um, but I, I just think, once again, we're playing a little bit of recency bias. He's he's a good pitcher. He's not great. I'd say he's a solid SP4, but in the 300s, yeah, that's that's fine with me. I can dig that. I mean, again, when we're talking about these these bargain shopping values, you don't have to spend a lot of draft capital to get these guys. So if they don't work out, for the most part, you can just cut bait with them and move on. We are all each Van, Doc, Little Cheesecake, and myself, we're all looking at these guys as we see stuff in their profile we like for next year. But again, you don't have to break the bank to get them. So mm-hmm. uh, just take what you're hearing from us. And if there's certain players you like, look to get some. If you don't like them, it's all good because they don't cost you a lot. So you could just move on and get other guys. Elsie, your next player. Jose Siri going at pick 319 on eight. average. I like Jose Siri. He's going to be starting center fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays this year. Looking to get hopefully 500 plate appearances down there. I hope maybe more. He's he's a good good fielder. So uh, that that'll help. Now, if you look at his season long statistics, they are not good. He batted about 207 on the season, but in Tampa Bay, he hit 240. So uh, there's the person. Jose Siri is someone who has pop in his bat. He's got some speed. He uh, he hits out. Uh, he has a good launch angle, 15, 15% launch angle, 15 degree launch angle, max EV around 112. That, 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 that's a little bit of power right there. He could be a home run source. The problem is the strikeouts. He strikes out over 30% of the time. Uh, you're going to have to live with that. It seems like that's a part of his game, but with the speed, you know, he had 14 steals last season, only 300, mm-hmm. 300 plate appearances. Uh, he could be looking at a potential 2020 guy going past pick 300. If he's hitting 230, but getting you 2020 down there, that's a great value. Yeah, I love it. Jose Siri after pick 300, man, that's, I mean, take the chances on him. Elsie, is he somebody that I know you're talking about him as, as a value. Do you think you'll be drafting a lot of him this year? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, well, they like him. And they like his fielding, and you know they, you know they 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 had a Rosarena down there. They kind of like that profile. He's a little bit more swing and miss than a Rosarena, so uh, I would like to see his contact get a little bit better. But you know he's someone who Houston trusted to put in the playoffs in his rookie season uh, two seasons ago, and then uh, Tampa Bay got him and played him in the mm-hmm. playoffs last season. So there's a lot of trust in him for next season. I think he's going to get the uh, opportunity and with that power. I I think there's a, you know, there's, there's upside. I like it. I like it. Uh, this next player, I'm not going to go into him. So I'm going to go to another player. I was going to say Jose Abreu. Do we all love Jose Abreu at pick 113? I do. Yes. Yeah. I think that's speaking to the obvious here. I, I have a lot of stuff about it, but I think we're all on board with it. If you have see Jose Abreu pick 113, he's an incredible value. Please go get him. The player, I'm going to jump way down and I'm going to go to pick. I believe he is going right around 415. And that is Sean Manaya, the cover boy of this video. So yeah, it, he's this is one of the pitchers I'm going to be grabbing a lot of this year. No, Eric, this is not the Dylan Cease pick. But Sean Manaya, for those that don't know, been a pretty much a, a league average player for most of his career, 407 ERA and a 406 FIP. 
And one of the basically what he's been doing uh, his his bread and butter, as you could say, is low 90s sinker, and he throws it over 60% of the time. Now in 2022, that pitch had two and a half fewer inches of drop than sinkers thrown in that similar velocity right around in the low 90s. And it also an inch less vert- horizontal run. That's from an article on fan, uh, fan graphs. Now, Sean Manaya was killed by the fly balls last year. He had a 1.65 home run per nine, which ranked second highest among all pitchers with at least 130 innings. And the highest by far of anybody that basically uses the sinker as their primary pitch. His 496 ERA and 453 FIP were the worst of his career. But you look, he had a 390 Sierra and a 396 X FIP. So you can tell that there was a chance for some regression. And I do think there will be regression when it comes to the fly balls because he was basically uh, more closer to a 13% home run to fly ball rate. Last year was nearly 15. Now, the biggest reason I am in on Sean Mania for next year, there's the first, the narrative, obviously, that San Francisco Giants, they work magic with their pitchers. But specifically, there's a player we call Spider-Man on this show named Logan Webb. And Logan Webb adopted the seam shifted wake to basically leverage his changeup and his sinker. And guess what Sean Manaya's top two pitches are? His sinker and his changeup. Now, for those that don't know what seam shifted wake is, it's pretty much the ball is coming out the same axis, similar velocities, and similar spin rates, but the ball moves very differently. So it looks like the ball is coming in the same way, but it spins in a completely different direction. And the Giants are a team that actually use that approach more so than a lot of other teams out there. Now, the fact that Logan Webb has a very similar arsenal, and we've seen what Logan Webb has turned into, I am very intrigued with Sean Manaya. Again, he's going after pick 400. So he's free. He is free. He's going to the San Francisco Giants, has a very similar profile to the reclamation project they worked on with Logan Webb, who was awful and then became something extremely special. I think you guys got to give Sean Manaya another chance. I, I think he is going to be a very serviceable pitcher, especially after pick 400. I, I think he's an absolute value this year. Doc, one I'm is gonna 26 let... and one is 30. One is 26. So 30 is not old. Is 30. 30 is not old. Is that, is that your argument? Uh, well, I, I think when you say they, they figure or they help change Logan Webb, that's a young developing pitcher. Who's but they, been doing this for two it's years? Because of the profile, and then, and then Sean Manaya. The, the profile is uh, very. Similar. Sean Manaya has a one point. Sean Manaya has a one point two two career whip, and when we had our buddy Scott Jenstad on the show a couple of years ago, I remember him saying this about Manaya: is there's nobody, or there's very few people in the league that seem like they get harder, hit harder by losing a few ticks off their fastball. He plays in a great division, great hitting division. He's going to have to go to Colorado, has to face the Dodgers, has to face the Padres. The Diamondbacks could have a good young team. I mean, yeah, you're not investing a lot in the 400s, but I don't think that you're going to see this turnaround. So where do you think, Eric, if you had to say right now? Can we make another? Okay, what's what's the bet? (laughs) Can we make another bet? Sure, what's the bet? Um. I, I let, let me find a pitcher around him, and I'll see, and I'll find one that I like better. All right, let's let's run through then, and and like Vinny, he got says, shifted to the bullpen last year. That's so bad. Yeah, but the Giants, I think, are going to work with him and really get him back to what he we saw him more in Oakland. I, I feel like so confident in a bounce back from him. I will eat my words if I'm wrong, but again, you're also getting him free. So if if people watch this, draft him. Like he's not costing you. Get him with your last pick. 
and you're good. Like I, I'm all it in. It costs you your sanity when he sucks. We'll see. Well, I, we got some good bets going. Let's quickly with the last 10 minutes or so, we'll go around the horn. Just kind of uh, give us a quick version of your last guy here. Van, I know you have a bunch of guys prepped. So give us your favorite one that you have left and why you want to draft them. Man, uh, you want a hitter or a pitcher? Why don't you give us a hitter? Pitcher. Or whatever. Uh-oh. <laughs> tiebreaker? No. Art? Tiebreaker? I'm all, I, I need pitcher recommendations. Okay. Well, this one, you, you guys will probably be blue in the face from hearing about it last year, but I don't think it's time to move on from Aaron Ashby. Uh, I get it, guys. It was frustrating. I had him rostered. I was dropping him, adding him. Let's start off by saying this is a 19th round ADP, 19th round. When you guys look at how close he is for it to click and for him to become an ace, it looked way more outlandish for Corbin Burns before it worked out for Corbin Burns. Right now, Aaron Ashby had the fourth best, even last year with the crappy season, fourth best ground ball rate in the majors, 15th best at limiting hard contact. In a terrible year, he still had the seventh best CSW called strikes mm-hmm. plus whiffs in the majors. The slider is just elite with an 18.6% swing strike rate. And last year, and in, in the to, to talk about kind of the luck factor, that slider had a 364 BABIP against. So I think we're going to see much better, you know, positive regression, if you will. Um, and then on top of that, I get that the sinker is is the the trouble. The trouble pitch, that's what everybody picks on. Still had a 30% CSW, well above kind of the league average of like a 27, and an elite ground ball rate on that sinker pitch. Throws at 96 miles per hour. He's just 24 years old. I get it that he's got to figure out the command and control, but again, kind of like Heaney, if we wake up in July and Aaron Ashby is lights out, we saw him strike out 12 in one game last year. Like I watch a lot of his games because I rostered him. When it was working, it was working so well. It's just he was his own worst enemy on the mound. I wouldn't be shocked if we're in July and we're saying like, oh, well, yeah, Ashby, I was one year too early. We got to remember not to let our, our recent burns like impact our our, our new drafts. So that's mm-hmm. my somewhat condensed version. But Mendy, I know you were huge on him last year. Are you going to have any shares this year? I'll definitely get some because I don't want to like be out on him. If The breakout still looks like it could be there. But it's not as as uh, cheap as it was last year. I think he was like in the late two hundreds, early three hundreds. Now he's two thirty. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but I mean, like you said, the high ground ball profile, high strikeout profile. Uh, I mean, he's electric, and I, I the Brewers definitely have a track record of developing these guys. So I, I'm, I want Ashby this year. I just I'm not screaming from the rooftops like last year, but you definitely did nothing to sway me away from wanting to take him for sure this year. You, you're very convincing, even after someone like me who had him in probably three-fourths of my leagues was hurt by him. Uh, he's very exciting for next year. Uh, one quick thing is uh, Britton adds, hey guys, late round flyer Letmus Diaz just signed a 14.5 two-year deal with Oakland. He's going to play every day last year, outfielder, second base, shortstop, third base, first base, ADP 634. If you guys do not know Britton Allen, during the season, he does lineups where he talks about guys that are playing every day that you might not know you could pick up for your fantasy teams. This is the type of player. That's why Britton is the man. So Britton brought that in there. Let Miss Diaz going at pick 634. Make sure you guys keep that name in mind with the chance he could play a lot in Oakland next year. Love that. Doc, give us your player real quick, kind of as quick as you can here. 
I love Braxton Garrett at 366. It's the 24th round in a 15-team league and a 30th round in a 12-team league. He had 17 starts last year, won at least five innings in nine out of those 17. Two games had 10-plus Ks, so we see the upside from him. He's someone that does a very good job of keeping the ball in the ballpark. In 2021, across two stages, AAA, 34.1 innings, .79 home runs per nine, 88 innings in the majors, .92 home runs per nine. The BABIP was 321. I think that's that goes down a little bit. His chase rate is in the 87th percentile. Uh, we talked about the fastball-slider combo. He throws a slider-fastball combo. The slider 32% of the time with an XBA of 213 and a fastball 25% of the time. And I want to give another shout-out to our buddies that do the uh, triple play fantasy baseball beat when they interviewed Craig Mish. And on a team like the Marlins where they seem to get new owners, they seem to get new managers – they're keeping Mel Stoudemire, Stoudemire Jr. as their pitching coach. He's been with the team since 2018, helped being responsible for Sandy Alcantara's break, uh, breakthrough. You know, the, he had a lot of really great things to say. The players respect him. He, he figures out a great way to kind of maximize their strengths on there. Uh, and we saw it from Braxton Garrett last year and where you can get him. I don't think you, there's many people that can give you that double digit and K upside that he can. Yeah, and he's with the Miami Marlins that obviously develop pitching as much as, as any team out there. And uh, yeah, I, I love the call, Doc. I could see Braxton Garrett. He showed off last year. Great to see you too, Britton. Glad to uh, see you're doing well. Hope you have a great, happy holiday season with your family, man. Uh, Elsie, your last player. I just, I, um, I want to just give a little bit of good news to our, our, our D.C. area listeners and and our, our our friend Aubrey, who took place in the best ball draft, I am monitoring the D.C. outfield. There's a position that looks like it's going to go to either Stone Garrett or Alex Call, both going super-duper late. Stone mm-hmm. Garrett, 572. Alex Call picked in the 700s. One of them is going to start. They both, they're post-post-post-hype sleepers, but they both have good hit tools. Garrett has a lot of pop. Um, and calls sort of a better overall hitter. I'm monitoring that. I think, you know, DC's a pretty good place to hit with their hit tools. They could be some a really good late 50 round draft and hold outfielder. If you're looking for one late in a draft, Alex call might be the favorite heading in, but Garrett's got a lot of pop. I love it. And, uh, I believe actually, if I'm not mistaken, Vinny talked about Garrett. He also talked about, did you say Gavin Stone too, right, Elsie? You didn't? Stone Garrett. I didn't. Or Stone Garrett. Why did I think Gavin Stone? The Stones got me mixed up is Vinny mentioned Gavin Stone earlier. But Stone Garrett, I love the, uh, he also pitched really well in, in a little amount of time last year. I, I don't know if I have the time to go all into the, my Dylan Cease this year. Should we just save that for another episode? What do you guys think? Yeah, I, you're on the clock, Mandy. I don't know that I trust yeah, you, you tell us. to go through it quick enough. I don't know if I can go through it quick enough. I promise you guys, uh, I will talk about him in the position previews. And you probably, if, if you're listening now to- that's a professional tease. Oh, yeah. Uh, he will be mentioned. I'll be on the CBS podcast tonight. So I'll, I'll probably drop the name there. But if you guys don't listen to that, Man. I will be bringing the name on here, especially because Marty- isn't here too. I gotta, I gotta stay with Marty's reaction too. Van, you're awesome too. Want, but I gotta have the whole crew to uh mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll do that. Uh I promise you guys we'll we'll do that uh in the next couple episodes here. But regardless of that, 
We have a ton of great names. Van brought the energy. Van brought some amazing names here. And Van, I got to say, man, having you on the second time was even better than the first, as great as that was. And uh, I just want to say thank you for your time. Thanks for hanging with us. And please plug all the great work that you're doing. Well, thank you, guys. You guys are doing awesome work here. But yeah, Steve Giswelli and myself are on Wins Above Fantasy. We're every other Friday leading up through the Super Bowl. And then we're every Thursday, pretty much. Um, we come out, we do all-purpose fantasy stuff. So a lot of a lot of kind of underperformers, stat cast, under the hood stuff. Uh, but yeah, you guys can follow the podcast at Wins Above Pod. And I'm on Twitter at Van underscore Verified. I've not paid up for a little blue check mark. Uh, so I just got to work it into the name there. But yeah, I, and then I'm, I'm with Pitcherless. So can find our show on the main feed on uh, Spotify or Apple. And then, yeah, I usually do one or two articles a year. So probably going to keep doing that. But thank you guys so much. This is a blast. I'm done with work for the holidays, which is amazing. So doing this is like, it's the best kind of work. And uh, it's a total privilege. So thanks for having me on. Love having you back on, man. And I know this won't be the last time. Sure, We're not going to wait two years to have you back on the show. Make sure you guys are following him on Twitter at Van underscore verified. Make sure you guys are following the podcast. Make sure you guys are following his written work, everything at Pitcherless and his podcast on any podcast platform. Say the name again for the people in the back, Van. Wins Above Fantasy. Wins Above Fantasy. Make sure you guys are checking that out. Again, wow. if you're looking for some of the best podcasts out there, nobody does it better than Van. So make sure you guys check that out. For Doc, for a little cheesecake, for D-Menu, we're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. Hope you guys are safe. Enjoy the time with your families. We'll be back next week, hopefully with some Marty Party action and another guest. And uh, hope you guys stay safe. I already said make like a bread truck and haul these buns. So see you all next week. (laughs) See you guys.